And you're listening to WMNF Tampa. The governing body of WMNF, the Nathan B. Stubblefield Foundation, is seeking applications for the board of directors. Interested candidates will have an exciting opportunity to be a part of steering WMNF into the future. You may find the application in the About section on our website, wmnf.org. Or call 813-238-8001 for more information. The deadline to apply is Friday, September 23rd at 5 o'clock p.m. The opinions presented on the Healthy Steps show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Hello out there, my exalted friends, and thank you for keeping your radio tuned to WMNF Tampa. And indubitably, welcome to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey. Today, the Sophic Doctor is going to talk to us about over-medicating patients, particularly teens. You are encouraged to participate in this discussion, or if you have any related medical questions, by calling 813-239-9663 or sending an email to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. Good morning, Dr. Fred. Your topic today addresses over-medicating teens. Last Sunday, the New York Times did an extensive article on this topic, God Bless the Free Press, and back in June, the Washington Post also addressed this travesty. I read a CDC report from 2016 that recommended that parents of young children with behavioral issues try behavior therapy as a first step, but less than half are receiving such services. Meanwhile, an eyebrow-raising 75% are receiving drugs as a treatment. I'm glad and fortunate that I dodged that bullet. Back in 1970, I was a senior at Chamberlain High School in Tampa and full of shenanigans, so my parents sent me to a shrink, and after three or four or five sessions, he gave the diagnosis to my parents that I was just a teenager and that I'd be okay if I would just do my homework and cut back on my pot smoking. One study points out that in today's society, over 40% of kids aged 2 to 24 don't have a chance to develop and emerge through childhood before they find themselves under the supervision of a battery of doctors, sometimes for years, and popping more prescription pills than Elvis on a bender. So, doctors, how do we rein this pony of child abuse back to the barn? Once again, Bill, that is an amazing introduction, and you've done your research. This is not a new issue. Thank you for that interesting intro. Um, Happy Labor Day and thanks for volunteering to work today and to all in the studio who are working hard. Wouldn't want it any other way. How about about it? I I don't see, I I don't have retirement on my schedule ever. I just love what I do and I'm going to keep doing it until I can't. So, you know, as I said, it's, I want to talk about teens because that's the article I'm going to get to, but this is not a new problem. When I was actually in medical school in 1980, um, the New York Times published an article that was talking about um, widely misused psychiatric drugs, neuroleptic drugs in geriatric care. Look, I'm a geriatrician. I've been witnessing over-medicated old people forever. But I want to speak about teens today because this is the future. We can't be screwing up our future like we are trying to here in America. And so um, the chemical straitjacket has been something we've talked about in medicine for ages. Um, 
you know, uh, restraining people uh, who have psychiatric disorders in uh, warehoused places like nursing homes was common practice. Sedate them so they don't fall out of bed or so they don't bother the nurse because the place is so understaffed. Well, we just can't do that. And we've been actually changing that. It's actually illegal in some places to over-medicate um, uh, elderly in, in those situations. It is also illegal to restrain them and keep them in their beds so they don't fall. Um, you can't be a prisoner in your life. It's just not a good thing. This is 1980. Um, move forward to 2006. Bill mentioned this one. Uh, psychiatric drug cocktails for children are not backed up by scientific trials. This is true. <laughs> this is very true. Um, here's one of the biggest issues we have with this over-medication issue, and that is that there's no evidence for it. Um, in 2010, um, doing an about-face on over-medicated children. Well, that's four years later. Why are, we, why are we waiting four years to do an about-face? What's wrong with this picture? Um, is someone getting paid too much to do bad work here? I don't get it. Why are we continuing to uh, repeat this stuff? We're looking at now four and four, we're working on four and a half decades of knowledge about this over-medication stuff. We come to 2014, um, near death and over-medicated. We're talking about the dementia people again. They were uh, again finding out that um, the chemical straitjacket was being used and they found out that people died because they were given these atypical antipsychotic medications while they had dementia. And so that's why it's become um, uh, illegal in certain cases to actually be delivering these inappropriate medications. And um, in palliative care where people are dying, um, why would we use um, um, Namenda or or um, other medications for dementia. Well, we know that the brain isn't going to recover. Um, it's 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 false hope and 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 costly and causes adverse consequences. Um, in fact, most of these drugs were deemed by geriatricians to be never appropriate appropriate for palliative care in in dementia patients. But they still use them even today. Two thousand fifteen. Um, over medicating patients. Um, uh, it's just incredible that, that they're still talking about it. And finally, the article that really brought to my attention this and what changed my decision about what I wanted to talk about um, in the coming uh, uh, show was this study that, uh, or actually a, a article published in the New York Times uh, about a, a girl who'd been in, in uh, grades nine, through um, graduation um, on um, at least 10 different psychiatric medications. In um, 2013 to 2017, grades four to nine, she was on Focalin, a uh, stimulant uh, like methamphetamine, because that's what I consider, you know, crystal meth is just the street version of Adderall. Crystal meth is the street version of Focalin, um, of Vyvanse, of um, um, all the other ones. There's one that starts with a C. I can't remember at the moment, but basically all these meds are, are crystal meth in legal pill form. And and you can deny it all you want in psychiatry, but this is crystal meth. You're getting people addicted to crystal meth early on. It's no wonder we have a meth problem in society today. We're training children's brains, which aren't formed. They are hardwiring them to need 
these drugs rather than treating the problem that exists. And that is a, a major problem for our country, and that's nutrition, um, uh, the, the lack of uh, uh, mindfulness. There are so many things that go into it. But what we're seeing is people are just being over-medicated for symptoms, and it's really not effective. Um, there is a, um, uh, from the article, um, psychiatrists emphasize that psychiatric drugs can be vitalized vital in stabilizing patients and it may save some suicidal teens lives however many people use these primary care doctors not psychiatrists use these and they don't actually uh, have any evidence for the use um, they're intended for short-term use if you look at the pdr they're intended for six weeks to six months and you're supposed to reevaluate and take people off of them after they get their therapy their behavioral counseling and everything else and yet People are left on these meds for years, thus depleting the levels of the neurotransmitters in the brain and causing other things like psychotic episodes, suicidal behavior, weight gain, interference with reproductive development. Think about it. You put a 13-year-old on these pills and you ruin their ability to have the uh, normal um, uh, 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 reproductive functioning. Um, uh, their, their periods will be different. And then when they put them on these things, they actually, because they cause anxiety and other things, they end up putting people on other medications um, to treat this condition called ADHD that doesn't actually even really exist except in the halls of psychiatry in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual number five, which is a symptom-based book. Its entire concept is symptom-based. And we have a problem here because illness is not symptom-based. On that... I just want to let you know that we're on WMNF.org, WMNF 88.5 Tampa, and this is Healthy Steps. Bill. Yes, I'm not going to let him get off that easy. I'm going to give him a challenge. We want to hear you. Give us a jingle at 813-239-9663 or send your emails to dj at WMNF.org. And you can also text us at 813-433-0885. Greg's in the control room waiting to hear from you, and we want to hear your questions and your observations. Back to you there, doctor. Thank you, Bill. So um, the problem with the Diagnostic Statistical Manual 5, DSM-5, and psychiatric diagnoses generally is that it lacks a true scientific basis, but is validated by opinion. You know how far opinion can get you when the opinion's wrong, and generally in this case it happens to be. Um, it has a cultural bias. It pathologizes the human experience and it promotes the pharmaceutical approach. And in fact, the National Institutes of Mental Health does not use it for psychiatric research simply because it's symptom based. Um, the um, uh, National Institutes of Mental Health um, withdrew its support for this manual two weeks after the publication in 2013. And um, their statement was the weakness of this manual um, explained in uh, an interview um, at the time is its lack of validity. Unlike our definitions of ischemic heart disease, that's, you know, a heart attack or coronary artery disease, lymphoma <clears throat> or AIDS, the DSM diagnoses are based on a consensus about clusters of clinical symptoms and not about any 
There any objective laboratory measure, and that includes also imaging measures. So this is a bunch of old white guys sitting around. There's probably some mixed race there by now, but think about it. The first one in 1952 was a bunch of older white men sitting around deciding what was normal and what was not normal. It's obvious that they had a cultural bias, at least at that time. And they probably still do. They've tried to eliminate it, but it's not entirely possible because everybody looks at the world through their own lenses, through their own filters, their own biases. So they pathologized homosexuality because it was the cultural standard at the time. Not because they had any evidence to support the erroneous disease labeling of a relatively common, think about it, 7.1% uh, actually admit in survey to be at least bisexual, if not homosexual, that's 7.1%. Um, if we consider that many people wouldn't answer that honestly because of fear of repercussion because of our sick society, we're probably at 10%. So that's one in 10 people is, or maybe a little bit less, is homosexual. How is that a pathology if it's 10% of the population? So the um, problem with it is that they just don't know what they're talking about, except they treat symptoms. And I think I've talked about this before, but you know, if somebody comes into my office and they're complaining of withdrawal from society, um, anorexia, you know, not having any appetite, and they're moody and irritable. I might suggest that they have a mood disorder. But we know that if I had got more history, the fever of 105, racking body aches, and a uh, terrible cough, I would know that they had influenza. And that's why they were irritable, withdrawn, and had no appetite. But we don't look at biology in psychiatry. That's why I question whether psychiatry really is even a medical specialty. Yes, you heard me. I wonder if the MD behind the psychiatrist's name means they actually practice medicine because I've never actually witnessed one do a physical exam, do a laboratory test or an image to figure out what's actually really going on with them. And not one of them has ever called me to find out if I've done that workup to prove that there's no medical illness causing the psychiatric um, symptoms. So the problem is that, that many of these ideas about medicating people with mood, it's based in erroneous ideas, like the, the hypothesis of the serotonin concept. You know, the, this, it falsely perpetuates this hypothesis. Hypothesis is lower level than theory. A theory might have some basis in evidence, but a hypothesis is something you made up your head. I can hypothesize that the sun will drop out of the sky today. We know that won't happen, but it's a weird hypothesis. But then again, it's a weird hypothesis to think that we can treat every person who has anxiety or sadness with a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. That's just psychotic. Whoops. That's what actually taking those drugs causes if you do them a long time. And the question uh, is actually asked by scientists in an article that I posted. It's called, is the chemical imbalance an urban legend? And yes, it seems to be. And then we have an article that I also posted that the serotonin theory is refuted. Now, I don't uh, um, believe that serotonin has nothing to do with it. Your brain chemistry obviously does. But think about this. Your serotonin, your dopamine levels are actually affected by your gut microbiome. You can disbalance, imbalance, and create illness or symptoms by having your gut microbiome change the dopamine and serotonin relationship in your body because 70% of those are made by bacteria in your gut metabolizing the food you eat. Pretty amazing, isn't it? We're all connected. That 100 trillion bacteria in our guts are actually running the show to some extent. So 
Nature is the um, medic, uh, the magazine, which is very respected, and it's the one that's uh, got the published data that refuted the serotonin theory. And um, so it's just it just continues on with the um, ostracization or pathologization of homosexuality. Um, we see that people can uh, latch onto this, and um, you know, with the political bias. We have political hate speech coming from a significant portion of our nasty politicians today. And there is now an increase in assaults on um, LGBTQIA individuals because of this. It's not pathology. And you can take the bad book and say, forget it, because that's not real. These are real human beings that have real feelings, and they are not pathologic. I think we have a caller. Absolutely, we do. We've got Nick from St. Pete, but I'm going to make him wait another few seconds while I give out the number and remind folks that they're listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. And we're looking forward to you giving us a call and participating by dialing 813-239-9663 and continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org and send us your text by by calling 813-239-9663. And again, I thank Nick for his patience. Good morning, Nick. Hey, I'm Nick. I'm a nurse in St. Pete. Um, I've been a nurse since 2016. uh, I'm certified in psych and addiction, and I work with Pinellas County Harm Reduction Initiative. I've just been listening to the show this morning, Um, and I feel like... uh, uh, not to be too critical, but I feel like you're up on a soapbox and I do appreciate a good soapbox. I have a lot of my own too, but if I was like a regular person that goes, sees, sees my psychiatrist once a month and gets my monthly medications, if I was listening to the show this morning, I'd be throwing those medications out the window and stopping them abruptly. And, um, I'd be kind well, that would be a stupid flailing. decision. I would hope most people wouldn't make that decision. I'm not telling anybody to stop their medication. I'm just telling them to question their psychiatrist and their medical doctor and figure out what's going on that's causing their mood disorder because it's obviously not been diagnosed. Right. I'm just uh, listening this morning. I just feel like I can, if I was listening and I, I wasn't medical, that's a decision that I would feel motivated to make. I feel like it's a, it's been a bit disrespectful to say that, you know, psychiatrists are not doctors. I work with some very, very skilled psychiatrists that very that take a very holistic approach and have gone through medical school and had to do everything in medical school that a doctor has to do. Um, and I respect them very much. Uh, I'm in school to do my psychiatric nurse practitioner license. Uh, I'll be certified in two years. And uh, I plan on making this field uh, my profession. And I'm definitely not a medication pusher, you know, like I definitely think that it's one tool in the toolbox, but the, but mindfulness, yoga and meditation, other methods are really, um, can do a lot of the things that psychiatric meds can do. But I do believe that there are cases where the medication is very effective and very helpful to help people live, um, meaningful and productive lives. Now with the, the diagnosing of, of psychiatric disorders, Uh, There's not certain psychiatric disorders. There's not a way like to see, um, you know, that now that we're coming out with more imaging, this functional MRI and things like that. But 
the only way to diagnose certain things sometimes is with symptoms. As far as the DSM-4 is concerned, I have issues. With right. That well, that's well. that's the I problem. Mean, Excuse me. That's the problem with the DSM-4 and 5. It's symptom based. And that's why the National Institutes of Mental Health does not allow its concepts to be used for um, uh, research in this field. We need biology. That is one of the major um, um statements from the National Institutes of Mental Health is that mental illness is biologic, not symptomologic, symptomatologic. And so we need to move away from the symptom diagnosis of current psychiatric paradigm that promotes the pharmacologic approach based on which symptom complexes you have. And I don't disagree that some people do get help with this approach. However, it doesn't help most people. Most people are um, uh, end up having failure on one medication, end up on two, maybe three, and the fourth one to chase the adverse consequences of the other three. And this is what I have witnessed in my clinical practice over 30 years. And I, as I said, I have never had a call from a psychiatrist to help figure out the biologic cause of their mental disorder because all mental disorder comes from biologic and consciousness cause. And so we need to help people think better, but we also need to find out what the biologic cause is. And I have yet to find one psychiatrist do more than just a, a TSH to see if their anxious, their bipolar mania is from um, thyroid. That's the only thing I've ever seen a psychiatrist do medically to evaluate someone. That's the problem. Well, that's also a systemic problem with how, uh, how compartmentalized our healthcare system is as well. We don't have a system. That's the problem. We have right. a healthcare um, a profiteering marketplace that, that profiteers from suffering. And so it's really a difficult place for us to be. And I'm talking about the system, Nick. I'm not talking about individual people who have ethics. And I do believe that psychiatrists want to do the right thing. They've just been trained by a pharma approach system that doesn't tell the truth. And we know pharma lies. Right, right. and I, I agree with you there. I mean, the, the insurance companies want to see that you did something, which doing something means prescribing something. Yeah, exactly. And that's right. the proof you've done something so you can get your payment. We're in a system that forces bad behavior. Think about it. 69% of the DSM-5 editors have ties to the pharmaceutical industry. Mm -hmm. And they, yeah, And it's been argued... It's been argued that they separated anxiety disorders and depressive disorders into two separate diagnoses so they can be separately medicated. Right. How's that? You can't overdiagnose and giving a giving a million diagnoses out of the DSM-4 isn't necessarily helpful either to have a patient right. that says, you know, well, I'm bipolar and then I have dissociative and then I have this and I have that. It's not necessarily helpful because a lot of times there's one medication that we can use to... to for a lot of those different things, you know, antidepressants can be used for eating disorders and they can be used for depression, anxiety, and these other things. And it's all, and often you, like you don't even need them. And then the, uh, the patient is like, well, I'm very, very sick. I have A, B, C, D, E diagnosis, but it doesn't actually help for uh, a more productive life to have all these diagnoses because it makes the patient feel more sick. So, and they're like, they're, they're permanent. They're also permanent diagnoses. You know, once you get it, you've got it. You're labeled. And that's the problem because the insurance companies will follow those labels. And that becomes a real issue. But, you know, Nick, I'm really trying to get to people like you. And I'm so glad you called because I want to fire you up because you're in the field. I want you to look deep and find new ways because that's what I do every day. That's why I love functional medicine. I look for new ways to approach all these problems because we're failing. You can see it. I can see it. We all can see it that the American healthcare non-system of medical marketplace is failing so many people and we need to right. change it.
Well, I agree with you there 100%. That's why I'm involved with harm reduction in Pinellas County because Fantastic. people are dying left and right and nothing's being done as far as being in the middle of a, a national emergency with overdose. Yes. Um, the officials just throw up their hands in the air when we have evidence-based research that shows how we can reduce death and increase um, you know, people's uh, chances of getting into recovery. Nothing's being done and it's left. Yes. I think it's disgusting, Nick. It's so disgusting that they, um, there's so many places where politically um, giving clean needles out is considered morally bad. There's nothing about morals here. This is about a biologic problem. And well, I'm, I'm. County is one of those places. So where it, it's not available. Dying every single day. Yeah. I, my wife works in the ER at a local hospital. I've, I've worked in the hospitals around here and I've done a lot of alcohol and drug treatment. And. Patients have encounters with the healthcare system three, four, five times, and then they die a few months later. So, at what point are they failing, and what point are we failing? Because oh, it's it's us. Help and we didn't it's us failing. It's not it's not you individually, but it's us, the system, because we don't treat um, this as biologic. We treat it as a moral failure because we have this weird religious theme that goes through our nation that we need to denigrate people that don't do what we think they should do. And so I'm just tired of it. But I have another caller on the line. Nick, it's been really okay. engaging. Thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate the dialogue this morning. Thanks. And thank thank you. you, Nick. <clears throat> yes, we've got uh, Dan on the line, but I think people are taking advantage of Labor Day and sitting on back and having their second or third cup of coffee and would really love you to give <laughs> us a call. So jingle us at 813-239-9663 or continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org. And let's go to Dan in Clearwater. Good morning, Dan. Hello? Hi, Dan. Has Dan disappeared? I'm off of mute. I'm off of mute. Oh, there, there you, there you go. Morning. So um, thank you for the opportunity to speak. Thank you for the gentleman partaking in the healthcare industry, which is an important part of overcoming whatever could be inside of different people. I dealt with one that was diagnosed at age 13 only because at first grade, the doctor, the teacher, and the dad supported the, um, um, the starts with R and ends and N um, item because of perceived hyperactivity, ADHD, or other um, signatures that people choose to put on the convoy of the American people that are designed to help all feel like they're succeeding. And I actually, for 34 years, used um, DNA's um, recommended ideas because since 65% of my body is genetic, shall I correct that? Um, 35% of my body is genetic, and 65% I'm in control of, and I realized since my mom passed away from that limpuckaroo, I no longer wanted to fall on the ground and shake a lot or do other um, challenges where I just walked away without complete clarity in what they would call something a bit petite, but um, ultimately, as I and most grateful to every veteran, the acupuncturist that was rescued from Vietnam and that conflict um, would not have come to America and more than likely had been um, murdered if it wasn't for our forces coming in there. And that gentleman 
released me, not on his own accord, but on my own accord, um, from the uh, medicines that would be also used, as the nurse clarified, um, depression, another thing. So, Dan, are you telling me that you had um, a, a healing with um, acupuncture for this problem? Um, acupuncture and meditation are two modalities that aren't accepted um, by are the most prolific and helpful. Wonderful. That is great that you had that because it, it gives me um, uh, great hope that there are more and more answers we're going to find about how to deal with this human experience and that you um, achieved a healing there um, outside of the medication and got off of it is beautiful. Um, yes, it is. It allowed me to get a, a, a chance to turn my social security around and um, get a job with improved clarity since I had a bachelor of science and from a university and um, was unable to immediately step into that field due to the fog that was evident from the use of over a thousand milligrams of a, of a drug that has affected certainly my liver through 34 years and challenged with gum disease and you know as I find it we just have to continue to learn on our own because plagiarism is copying from one person and research is copying from many people and we should all do our own research instead of just copycats so good points, Dan. Um, do you have any um, other um, um, input for us? Um, body, mind, and soul. Having a absolutely as you're trying to uh, express to everybody, and not allowing categorizations like I think Emmanuel Kant with the categorical imperative. If I'm going way back and remembering that um, people get a um, stereotype, and through that they every day wake up accepting that and being stuck and can't break through because of the fellow friends that they've locked arms with are actually ruining their dreams. Yes. Oh, I hear that. And and when you um, actually attach the label to yourself, that's why I don't like psychiatric diagnoses. If you accept that you are depressed, then you are. It's your state of being. Um, if we stop doing these labels and say, I have a bad mood, I can fix the mood. You can't fix if you're a depressed person. You can't fix if you're a diabetic. That's like a, a permanent thing. No, it's not. You have a sugar metabolism problem. You have a mood issue. I really thank you for your input, Dan. I'm so glad you got healing. And um, I have another four callers on the line, it seems. Fantastic. Um, there's a thinking stuff from which all things are made. So hopefully all will find that come from within. Make it a great Blessings. Time. Yes, indeed. We do have a board lit on up a lot brighter than the Florida State Fairground Midway. Uh, let's go to Sarah from Auburndale. Good morning, Sarah. Hey there. Thank you for taking Good. my call. Oh, You're welcome. Um, I have a question. Um, this is for my son. He is 22 years old, and he is getting ready to see a therapist and a psychiatrist for the first time. He... He has a few issues. Uh, one of them is he sleeps a lot, and the other is he, when he uh, tries to focus on things, he focuses on one thing. It's hard for him to focus on several things. He feels overwhelmed. And uh, the question I have is what type of test or even like the first doctor, should he go see his primary before he goes to the psychiatrist? 
psychiatrist to uh, get a uh, a lab result of different sorts. I heard you talking earlier about, you know, instead of just giving pills, which I'm afraid of, he might just, you know, think that he's going to be able to get something and that'll cure it. Whereas I listen to you every week and I know that a lot of the issues people have is, is uh, a lot of what they eat, drink, and how they, uh, you know, what they do during the day, exercise. Flag. That's so true, Sarah. So true. Um, uh, the first things I would do is um, do the basics, um, change the diet, go to an anti, because much of brain dysfunction comes from inflammation and toxicity. So go to a clean diet, organic, uh, a paleo type or um, Terry Walls, W-A-H-L-S, um, created a food pyramid that's based in uh, uh, really clean foods. No, no processed foods, no sugar, no dairy, no beans, um, no eggs. Um, and, uh, this diet is really strong at helping rebuild the body. You need, um, good fish oil to build the body. You need good B vitamins, um, probiotics. All of these things are foundational. Eliminating gluten can really help the brain work better. Um, getting good fish oil on board because people who don't eat fish and don't take fish oil actually have a brain deficit. I've watched people go from brain fog to fully functional, um, when they actually clear up that problem. And uh, there are uh, many nutritional and other tests that are available. Um, uh, Neurosciences uh, uh, Labs, Sinesco Labs, does a neurotransmitter test, as does uh, Doctors Data. Um, and um, that would look at the actual symphony of all the neurotransmitters in your body. So you can help balance the entire symphony rather than just trying to treat one of them. Um, uh, a micronutrient test from Vibrant America Labs does a really good look at your total um, body nutrition to see where you have deficits that could be fixed. These are things I would do before actually taking medication um, for this problem. Plus, I would go to some um, cognitive behavioral therapy or some other kind of therapist to get thinking about the thought processes, which are also a problem. Does that help, Sarah? It does. Um, the other question I have, too, is does um, the premix, he does a lot of working out, he works out, and he does a lot of the premix for uh, working out, and he drinks a lot of the protein drinks. With, well, um, premix, premix might have stimulants in it. Um, it might have excess caffeine and other things. And so you may want to avoid those kind of things. Uh, protein pr uh, powders are not a big deal, but the premix that gives you the boost with all that stuff in it, that, that you know, read the label. It's full of toxic chemicals. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your help on that. You're welcome. Yes. And we've got DeAndre and goodness gracious, he's been patient waiting. Yes. To go. We skipped him, didn't we? Yeah. Good morning, DeAndre. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call, um, gentlemen. I actually, I really appreciate that last caller's uh, question and then the input there regarding that because that's something I deal with quite regularly. I, and it's problematic, you know, in my position of being, you know, responsible for family work. And, yes. and stuff, and also, you know, being labeled, um, so to say. Um, yes. I, I actually was calling um, because, uh, well, it kind of turned my uh, my whole thing upside down because I was thinking that, like, certain, certain uh, uh, persons might benefit from, like, a, a communal work therapy situation where they could work. They will go to a place where they work, but they, you know, they... they they do the stretches, they do this, they do that, and then some, you know, repetitive uh, labor, you know, that will basically, you know,
revealed but then can be examined and uh in the way that you were explaining to the uh, lady you were talking to before uh and i'm going to have to go to the archives to get a line on those different groups but i feel like often work does help mend the mind but it's all dependent on who you work for and, and <laughs> so true DeAndre, that's yeah. such a brilliant idea. It's such, such an Aquarian age idea. You're talking about bringing people together in groups to do good group work. And that is, that is exactly what we need to look for. New ways of helping people transcend their, um, bad emotions, their, their, the shared human experience. Because, you know, the diagnostic manual pathologizes the human experience. Things like sadness, anxiety, dejection, cultural ambivalence. How about grief? Grief is yeah. uh, from loss is often called depression and medicated inappropriately. People need to take the two years after the loss of their spouse to recover. This is a time where you don't medicate, you process the emotions so you can actually incorporate all their love into you rather than hiding it from you with medication. Very agrarian in that way where you do something repetitive and then be able to engage those things and, and with uh, 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 some very conscientious oversight help from Absolutely. Yes, um, and if not agrarian, you know, sort of domestic, where you manage upkeep of, uh, of facilities. But again, um, with sort of a core uh, uh, motto and, and, and mission to help the workers to to get back out there um, and succeed, whether it's loss and then grief or actual those labels. Uh, I, I continue to see those commercials for you know. Uh, uh, different either apps or, or medicines and it's about like getting the the the, the 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 neurotransmitters back in function and in shape and you can't do that when you're you know and and, and the brain there's the thing with the brain it's like all you know staticky and all that but then it just turns into this beautiful you know you see all the the, the whatever fibers you know linking different parts but it's a commercial but you can't yes. do that out in this world where you're but you, challenged by so much that one. But you can do it. You can do it in your inner world, DeAndre. Right, you can right, do it in your inner world. Right. I can tell you that a person who's really skilled at helping this way, Dr. Joe Dispenza, D-R-J-O-E-D-I-S-P-E-N-Z-A.com, DrJoeDispenza.com. He has meditations that actually take you from that fuzzy, busy, irritated brain, shifting your state into a calm and peaceful and joyful state. He's done years of research on it and his process is perfected. He can shift your state in 15 minutes from bad to good. Check it out, Dr. Joe Dispenza, really cool stuff. And thank you, DeAndre. We're gonna move on to a new caller. Yes, we've got uh, Ryan. He's also been waiting quite patiently, almost gets the, uh, the merit badge for it. Good morning, Ryan. Hey, uh, good morning, all. I guess I'm going to remind you again. I don't know if Dr. Fred remembers Brian Seminole, but I uh, hear um, a lot of body, mind, body, mind. We're not robots. And you're getting close with the last call because <clears throat> spirit comes first. You cannot begin it does. to heal. You cannot, be, hold on. You cannot begin to heal that spirit. Y'all keep forgetting about that. And I, I, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but... Uh, positive affirmations do wonders. We are loved. We are worthy of giving love and receiving love. That's all I have to say. 
Good luck, everybody. I love you. Bye. Love you, Ryan. That's beautiful. Always appreciate that kind of input because it is about love. Love drives our universe. Love is the most significant healing force that we can deal with. So if you can find that peace and love inside, that's where it can start to shine. And consciousness connects both mind and spirit. And that's why I love the meditations of Joe D and other people that I have been working with because when you get into that state, you actually connect your physical, mental, and emotional bodies with your spiritual body. That's the key. You help spirit to drive. And thank you, Ryan, for putting me back on track because I totally agree with you. All right. I'm going to ask John and Gary to wait just a second. We're down to about 15 more minutes before we wrap on up. So I'm going to give out the number one more time and make Gary work for his pay here. You can give us a call at 813-239-9663 or give us an email at dj at wmnf.org. And Greg's in the studio in the office, I mean the control room, that's where he's at, waiting to get your call. He's been taking his labor day to labor for us. Thank you, Gary. And thank you, Greg. I'm sorry. And go to Gary. Good morning there, Gary. Hello. Hello, you guys. Hi there. Good morning. Um, good morning. Good I morning. Say, I want to say that um, for 10 years now, I've been on a mood stabilizer, a Bristique. And um, yes. you're making me think about asking the doctor several questions now because I was emotional wreck because my son's in heroin. And yes. um, I called a couple of times before saying that there's a program called Naranon and they help uh, individuals that have drug issues with uh, with loved ones in their family. Right. And I definitely believe in support groups. Oh my God, I could live perfect now. And because uh, we all, we all have the missions we could discuss them. We all know what we went through. So um, I highly recommend Narana. It's all for people that aren't drug addicts. So, um, it's because it's a great like group that really gives support. That, yeah, that is I, a wonderful place, yes. So I believe it's support. And I also believe that I've been in um, their own most stabilizers than years now. Yes. Yeah, so one thing, one thing you might ask your doctor to do is to check your serotonin and dopamine levels because using those medications for ten years depletes your serotonin. I have seen that in uh, my practice, and I've seen it in uh, research. So um, uh, people, the reason that people fail on the uh, serotonin reuptake antidepressants is that it depletes the serotonin, so there's nothing left to work on. Then the people start getting a little psychotic. How good is that doctor took that? Actually, just ask your doctor to order the test. He, it's, a, it's a urine test from uh, uh, either Doctors Data or um, um, Neurosciences Sanesco Labs. Thank you, Gary. I think we have another caller on the line. Okay, bye. We've been waiting a while. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, we've got John from Spring Hill, and you're right. He has been waiting uh, quite a while. Good morning, John. Good morning. Hi there. Yeah, uh, I also want, want to mention a couple of things. Uh, I, from New Jersey, came down to Florida to take care of an ill mother that passed, and it was very uh, uh, tough. But I went on 
I tried multiple years of going on Prozac because even my regular doctor started me off on Prozac. But then my father passed away in 95, so I couldn't handle it, and I self-medicated. But I also uh, started going to a psychologist, and that seemed to get me to cry on the couch, so to speak, with a box of tissues, which was all right, and take a bunch of uh, psychological tests in order to uh, you know, find out uh, maybe what my life goals can be. But anyway, I I would I tried on and off cocktail. I was I was always bi uh, uh, diagnosed with bipolar, and I feel to this day that my mind always had scattering thoughts. So and and anger issues, uh, abused uh, childhood and uh, punk rocker of the '80s. Um, but the thing is, uh, I tried the cocktails for bipolar because some insure some doctors even mentioned that. The insurance company uh, con- uh, covers bipolar a lot more than depression back then. Oh, wait, wait. So you're telling me they gave you a diagnosis for financial reasons rather than for reality? You know, bipolar di- is one of the, yeah. the most overdiagnosed um, uh, psychiatric illnesses. Exactly. So the other thing is, uh, I met one, one couple of things I want to mention. I don't want to keep you on the line. Uh, I could talk fast, so I'll get this out. Um, yeah, uh, uh I'm one, one of my favorite movies besides uh, It's a Wonderful Life uh, is uh, uh, Christmas Carol. And even Scrooge himself mentioned in Christmas Carol on seeing the first ghost that it might be digestion issues with a bit of potato that was caught in his gut. LOL. That's <laughs> so true. So that's back in the 1800s. But uh, the yes. thing is, uh, I, I'm, I, I try to cocktails. I was anger. I had anger issues because I of being frustrated, long-term unemployment, taking care yes. of the ill mother, uh, who, you know, just uh, the heat in Florida is terrible on me, and I, I react to heat as like a, a kryptonite, and it makes me instant, like this month and last month, instantly angry. I mean, I'll get into an argument, and, you know, it, it, uh, very easily, so I avoid people now. But anyway... How's your meditation uh, practice? Yeah, I know about Joe Dispenza, but I... Uh, because but I, how is your meditation practice? Uh... Well, there you go. Daily meditation is going to help with that anger issue. Get yourself know, into I, peace. Radiate oh, peace and love. I know, but it's hard for me to focus. No, no, no. You just pushed me off. No, no, no. You can't push me away like that. I know, but I know, but no, 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 dude. Okay. All right. You have to, you have right. to get yourself into peace. You, you're the only yeah, person that can do it and medication is not going to do it. On YouTube, I like Alan Watts and I also know about Joe Dispenza. It's hard. I don't care which way you do it, but you need to get yourself into peace, and you're the one that has to do it. This is consciousness. <laughs> right, so, to sum it up real quickly, what are buzzwords? It, like, I'm off meds now, and I'm extremely, I have body aches. Uh, I, I gained weight uh, before. and uh, uh, But anyway, I'm off the meds now, but I, I do suffer still now from reoccurring, like, depressed feelings, even though I am working remotely, luckily, thank goodness. Uh, but the thing is, I'm a mainframe programmer, so like a dinosaur. Uh, I'll say, <laughs> I'm sure. But anyway, well, there's work, and luckily uh, I'm working. So that, that uh, right away, I was long-term unemployed, so that threw me off. Uh, Truly, um, being being uh, removed from production ruins mood. So the, with productivity, like like DeAndre said, absolutely, uh, going and doing repetitive work helps one, yes. especially if you have a product at the end, like if you're planting a garden or doing something like that, you yes. really yes. change your mood. Yeah, I'm feeding outside animals now here in this area, which I you really do. Uh, so that actually gets me exercising out of the house and taking care of uh, animals, making a little... Oh, an exercise. Today. That's the other one. Daily exercise dispels depression. But uh, John, thank you.
right. I think we have another uh, caller on the line. All right, bye. Take care. Have a good day. You too. Appreciate it. Yes, we do. And we are coming on down to the last eight minutes of the show. So I'm going to chance giving on out the phone number one more time as we hit into the lightning round. It may Drew, wait just a few more seconds. You can give us a call and put Greg to work by dialing 813-239-9663 or continue to send your emails to dj at wmnf.org. Good morning to you there, Drew. Good morning. Hi, Drew. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Welcome. So, um, yeah, excellent conversations. I thought it was extra remarkable, the one with the fellow that's in the field. And, yes. Uh, it started out with something like a complaint about soapboxing, but it, it turned into something really excellent. That was, it was cool how we started out with a complaint. But That's because our, our conversation is driven by love, my friend. And facts. That and is facts. part of love. <laughs> right. Bingo. Truth and love go together. <laughs> there's no love without truth. Right. So, right. Um, and there's no truth without love. <laughs> bingo. <laughs> Try to dissect them and see what you get. Anyway, um, death. But anyway, um, so uh, I've been on some acetylatam, uh, pram. I, I can't pronounce it. Yes. And, uh, and lamot- a, a, a serotonin reuptake and lamotrigine and epileptic medicine. Uh, to supposedly keep me from getting too manic on the, on the antidepressants. So anyway, a balancer, supposedly. And uh-huh. it's going, it's going well, and everybody, good, everyone, everybody would like to do the simplest thing instead of a major lifestyle change. So I'm, I'm doing okay with it, but you know, it's been in the back of my mind to see what I could do to get off of it, and so I've been casually thinking about everything from ayahuasca, which again is just like a one, a one event, one pill fix thing. Well, actually, no, it's not. It's much more complex than that. If you'd read more about it, um, um, the people that got recovery from the Johns Hopkins Psychedelic Research Center's trials did five mushroom trips um, under controlled circumstances. So it's not a one-off. Um, okay. and, and it really can be effective because of the way it's administered. And it's got to be administered professionally because you need the support to help you process the um, intense emotions that come from it. And that's hard to find around here, I suppose, because of legalities and whatnot. Well, yes, there are some unethical people doing it in the area, uh, but there are some ethical people that help after the fact. Psychologists help you reintegrate, but there's no one actually doing it here. You'd have to go to Oregon or one of the other places where it's actually legal now. I moved back from Oregon. I was in there. I was there 30 years. I came back. Oh, Lord. 18 years. Go visit. Anyway, so um, (laughs) that'd be worth the trip. But anyway, um, have you heard anything about... A treatment called EMDR? Yes, EMDR, uh, uh, eye movement desensitization routine. It's a, um, it's, it's a, another way of dealing with consciousness. Um, so it's just another tool. And um, no specific uh, answers on how much effect it has, because I really don't know. But I know it helps people with mood. Okay, so you haven't heard anything too negative about it? Nothing okay. negative and no research that I've seen yet. So, Right, right. <laughs> Good luck with that, Drew. Well, thank you very much for your help today. You're welcome. (laughs) Bye now. Bye-bye. We're looking at about uh, just under a little under four minutes, so we're going to have Debbie and ask Debbie to be quick. Okay, good morning, Debbie. Good morning. Um, Hi, Debbie. I joined the show because I forgot you were on today, and darn, I missed 
I missed it. So you may have already talked about this, um, but I'm trying to find out what I can do for long COVID shortness of breath. Um, well, that's going to be another. That's going to that's that's going to be another show because we're talking about mental health and psychiatric over medication today. Oh, okay. Have a lovely day. Keep an eye out then. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. All righty there, Doctor. You want to kind of wrap it on up with an email or two, and then we'll discuss next week? Sure. I just wanted to uh, suggest here that National Institutes of Mental Health has a rationale for moving forward here. First, we have a diagnostic approach based on biology as well as the symptoms, and it must not be constrained by the current DSM categories. Mental disorders are biologic disorders involving brain circuits that implicate specific domains of cognition, emotion, or behavior, or all three. Each level of analysis needs to be understood across a dimension of function. In other words, we need to be able to do systems-based biology, which is the definition of functional medicine. Therefore, what we found out in a recently published study from the Cleveland Clinic when they compared depression treatment in the family practice clinic with standard medical approach versus the functional medicine approach, the outcomes were better, the cost was lower, and people were happier on the functional medicine approach because they got better results. So think about that. We need functional medicine to change the way we deal with this. And uh, we need to map the cognitive circuit and genetic aspects of the mental disorders, and it will yield new and better targets for treatment and different ways to do this. Um, so next week, I want to talk about uh, glyphosate, uh, Monsanto, that evil beast, and uh, GMOs and the whole nature of that issue. Oh, you're going to tangle with Monsanto, huh? You're right. That is Love an evil to. beast. So many I like tentacles. targets on my back. <laughs> All righty. So until next Monday at 10 o'clock, I'd like to thank you, Dr. Fred, and all of our participants and listeners, and give a special shout out and praise for Greg for handling the phones today. And to everybody on out there, take care, stay healthy. Y'all are the greatest. You have been listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Coming on up is five minutes of NPR News and then Sustainable Living, hosted by the award-winning team of Kenny Coogan and Andy Yellis. Today they welcome to the show Dr. Dubay, a professor of forages and grassland sciences at the University of Florida. Today they'll dig deep into the topic of developing a sustainable livestock production system. So until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for supporting and listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Your community conscious radio station. Stay safe, stay thoughtful, and know that you are loved.